0: Will we be the filtered or the filtrate? This is the Great Filter. What do you think? Is humanity going to fall victim to the Great Filter? What even is the Great Filter? For that matter, what's Fermi's paradox? Don't you worry, we're going to go over all of that. So, first things first, let's tackle Fermi's paradox. This is something I think that has been misunderstood uh, on multiple levels. And in order to understand Fermi's paradox, we need to first understand the Drake equation. Okay, don't worry, I'm going to explain all of this. If you don't know (laughs) what any of this is, I'm going to explain it so that anybody who's listening can understand it. Now, the Drake Equation was formulated by a man named Frank Drake and the idea behind it is to come up with a formulation that could give the best guess we can muster as to how many civilizations are within our galaxy, the Milky Way, and with which we might also be able to communicate. Okay, so it's a probabilistic sort of, this is our best guess. And the variables he used are um, either, you know, ask, or I guess variables we already know, or variables which we have a fairly accurate understanding of, or we think we can produce a fairly accurate probability for that variable. Okay, and so the variables that we're talking about are, um, one, the mean rate of star formation, and I'm, I'm just going to read these off um, from, uh, from Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, two, the fraction of stars that have planets. Uh, three, the mean number of those planets that could support life, and that's per star. The next one is the fraction of... Uh, life-supporting planets that actually develop life. Uh, the next one is the fraction of planets with life from which intelligence develops. And then they throw in the variable of the fraction of intelligent civilizations that develop communication. And then finally the mean length of time that one civilization can communicate. Now the results of the Drake equation can be you know vary widely. Depending on what figures you use and, you know, what our current understanding of these, um, variables are, the, the Drake equation can produce anything from almost nothing, just us, to, to about 15 million. Now, there have been a large number of, you know, different analyses and, and attempts to, to tighten this down and, and it's all been, like Very fascinating to watch, but the, the fact of the matter is we don't really have a tight handle on several of these variables. But All the same, if you kind of pull back and just look at it in general and, and really try to get a feel for what's trying to, what it's trying to say here, the chance that we're alone, are, it's, it's pretty slim. And that's where uh, the Fermi paradox comes in. And what Enrico Enrico Fermi Fermi? Fermi. Fermi? I think I'm saying the same thing over and over again. <laughs> what Enrico Fermi is basically kind of said, what the paradox says is that kind of kind of points to the whole Drake equation thing, right? Like there is a great potential, a great probability, as far as we understand it, that that life has uh, you know, spun intelligent forms all over the place. And so, where are they? How come we haven't had any direct proof that that these civilizations exist? Which, at first, makes, you know, it's a good argument. It makes a lot of sense to ask that question. Now, UFO enthusiasts aside, even, even if you're a hardcore UFO person, you've got to understand that, that there, there's no actual proof, you know, or at least if there is, there is not something that's been made available to the public. So from a scientific perspective, from the mind of a scientist, seeing this as it is, the question of, okay, Our, our galaxy, the Milky Way should be teeming with life. And there should be at least (laughs) several million civilizations that have reached or surpassed our level of intelligence. Meaning there should be civilizations out there with which we are capable of communicating or at least seeing signs of, of, of their intelligence. And the fact that we can scan the skies continually and not see anything. I mean, there, there are some exceptions. You know, there's the wow signal and there are a couple of other little odd anomalies that they're, they're not evidence. They're questionable things. They're interesting things, but they don't necessarily point to an intelligence. Even though we can do all this, we, we can't, you know, decisively say that Oh, we've found intelligence. We've been in communication or anything like that. And that in itself poses a problem. And the problem goes like this. <laughs> if we believe through what we've been able to, you know, roughly sketch out that there should be millions, at least several million uh, civilizations out there with which we could possibly communicate, or at least, you know, should be giving off signs that they, they exist, like, you know, radio bubbles and, and that sort of a thing. Yet, there is nothing. It's silent out there. So, where are they? Where are all of the, these intelligent beings? But there's there's a mild problem with this. And the problem is this isn't a question asked by how do I say this? You need to sort of step back (laughs) and look at what has happened. Why are we asking this question? Uh, From what perspective are we asking this question? Now, humanity we have made the majority of our technological advances over you know the past couple hundred years that alone should call this this Fermi paradox into question and here's why to think that we've got it all figured out and to think that radio Communication is the only possible type of communication available to any intelligent species. And to think that, you know, we've got this whole particle physics thing on lockdown. You know, we've got all of our equations and sciences. We've got things pretty locked down. We should be able to understand most things that are happening out there. That is a fallacy of the most... (laughs) It's, It's a... It's a fallacy of hubris. It's a fallacy of we think we know and we don't. We, we are, we are just scratching the surface of knowledge of technological capability. What humanity has uncovered and what we think we understand right now, I can guarantee you. A large portion of it is going to be revised in the next 50 to 100 years. And on top of that, a large portion of what we think we understand is going to be thrown out. To believe that electromagnetic radiation is the only means of long-range communication that any society ever could ever possibly use is just fallacious thinking. Just because that's the only thing we know about doesn't mean it's the only thing out there. And it may very well be that there are methods of communication that just would completely go over our heads. We wouldn't even be able to grasp what, what this is. And I would assume, or I guess assuming is probably the stupid way to go. I would surmise, I guess, that it is quite likely that some mechanism out there that we haven't even begun, you know, begun to to uncover is something that most civilizations you know that the, the radio the radio era right where radio is used in within a civilization where radio is used as a means of communication i would bet this is a fairly short-lived um sort of thing kind of like oh uh, what's a good uh i guess kind of like landlines or um <laughs> 56k dial-up, right? Uh, when when modems first came became a thing, and everybody had their 56k uh, dial-up modem. You know, just because that was the peak of our technology at the time, doesn't mean that that's where our technology peaks. It means that that is what we used at the time, and now we've got broadband, and we've got uh, we've got Communication devices. What are they called? I forget what they're called. The the uh, the uh, the laser relays. Oh my gosh, they're they're super high speed, high bandwidth um, photonic devices, right? And that would have blown people's minds. You know, thirty years ago, forty years ago, it would have completely gone over their heads. Just the technology itself used to do that. It, it would have been something so alien to somebody, you know, that when 56K was the cream of the crop. So what I'm saying is I don't think it's too far-fetched to draw a parallel. I, I don't think we are going to be in the age of, of radio for too much longer. Um, and I would suspect that our next leap in in distance communication is going to come from either quantum mechanics or something brand new that is just on the horizon that we have not even begun to fathom possibly something deeper than quantum mechanics or something that runs parallel to quantum mechanics it's just a matter of time and discovery But it's pure, it's not just hubris, it's, it's willful blindness to look up in the sky, looking for radio waves, because that just happens to be what we're using right now, seeing none, and then saying, well, they don't exist, it's just, it's bad form, and it's bad science. I mean, it really is. It's it's a lack of imagination, and it's a lack of humility. Okay, and so from this whole thing, right? From this, this whole Fermi's paradox problem, this question, kind of came the idea of the great filter and... To many scientists, the great filter eloquently answers the question of Fermi's paradox. Now, uh, that being said, that's not to, you know, insinuate that there is no great filter. I would be remiss if I said there was not. I think it is important to entertain the idea of the great filter as well as take it seriously, take it like, it is a real thing. Because even if Fermi's paradox is not really where the, the pivot point in, in this larger question is, it doesn't mean that there is not a great filter, that there is not some sort of something that, that ends up destroying most civilizations. I think it would be quite irresponsible to discount the possibility of a great filter or or multiple mechanisms that make up the great filter. Okay, now this might come off a bit macabre, but it's an important discussion to have, and I, I personally don't think we're having enough of it. Uh, and by the end of this episode, hopefully you'll see why. Because here's the... Mm, bitter, bitter, bitter truth is that as long as humans are tied to reproducing on or near our home planet Earth, as long as long as we're, you know, bound by this, I guess, our sun's gravity well. We are facing an extremely high probability that we will meet the end of our species here. So, I wanted to take the second half of this episode and talk about um, the various branches of of possibilities of the you know where the great filter might lie and what we can do to to best avoid it to raise our chances of escaping the great filter of escaping the possibility that we will eventually get filtered out okay so I've laid out what I've kind of toyingly been calling uh, the great filters Rubik's Cube and I'll explain that in a second <laughs> but I uh, I've I've sort of mapped out the possibilities of where the great filter might lie and what we can do to increase our chances of finding it, seeing it, and preparing for it. Now, I've kind of boiled this down to three basic factors that we need to be aware of. Um, And each each of these three vectors has three basic elements to each vector uh, which is kind of why i'm calling it the great filters rubik's cube because a rubik's cube is a 3d object right basically three vectors x y and z of three elements each so it's a three by three by three which is exactly what the great filters Rubik's cube is it's three vectors of three elements each. So, um, let's, let's break this down and I'll explain each vector to you why it is, uh, that I chose that and why I think these are about as fundamental as you can get when it comes to trying to prepare ourselves or trying to convince, convince others to, um, you know that preparing ourselves is probably the best course right now okay so the the first vector is called the intention vector and the three elements here and th- these are properties of uh, i guess how how do you explain it from our perspective these are properties that would best describe um a way to identify or categorize what the great filter is and and how it might come at us okay so vector one intention vector and the three elements are um, element one is uh, it's an event influenced by an intention or an an intelligence meaning that um if it's under this heading the great filter is a uh just that it's an event that's brought on by another intelligence or ourselves anything any kind of any kind of event that is brought on by intelligent design or manipulation or um you know an intelligence coordinating different things. Okay. And so the second portion of this first vector is that, it, whatever it is, whatever the event is, it is not intelligently uh, orchestrated. So it would just be a natural proceeding and uh, a natural disaster or, and you know, just a natural event. And the third element to uh, the intention vector is uh, that it it is an anomalous event. It doesn't fit under either category. Um, It doesn't fit under an intention-driven event or a natural process. And the only reason I'm including this is because I'm leaving room for the possibility that there is something else out there that wouldn't fit under either one of these that we just either can't comprehend or um, that we just haven't discovered yet. Because not having this, not having the anomalous event in there leaves us open to the possibility that such a thing might exist and thereby leave us open to that particular uh, attack vector, no matter how minuscule the probability of its existence. All right, now the second uh, Rubik's Cube vector is the awareness vector. And the three elements here are, obviously these have to do with awareness, right? So the first uh, the first element in the awareness vector is um, that the great filter or whatever it might be um, is within our field of awareness it's something that it's either uh, within our right our direct field of awareness or in our periphery it is something that we are aware of or at least the possibility of on some level whether fully or you know on the sides in the periphery The second element is that it is outside of our uh, field of awareness. It's something that we just are not aware of at all, period. (laughs) And the third one is again uh, an anomalous event. Um, It's neither within our field of awareness or outside of our field of awareness, but some other category related to this vector that we either have not yet discovered or cannot possibly comprehend. Okay, and last but not least, um, the last vector of the Rubik's Cube is um, influence, okay? The field of influence. So just like the other two, uh, the first element is that uh, whatever it is, it is within our field of influence. It is something that we can do something about. It's something that we can influence or have influence over. The second, just like the other previous uh, uh, vectors, it is outside our field of influence. Even if we knew about it, we couldn't do anything about it. It is something that is completely outside our capability of control or influence. And the third one, just like the previous two, <laughs> is that it is an anomaly. It is anomalous. It's outside of it's not within our field of influence. It's not outside of our field of influence. It is something anomalous that we either cannot comprehend or have not yet discovered. So those are the three vectors with which we need to begin our study or analysis of the possibility of what the great filter is and what if anything we can do about it under which cir- you know under which situation or circumstance okay so if we're going to break this down there are actually 27 combinations of these three because each each of these three vectors kind of just like with an actual rubik's cube has its own direction okay so this is a three dimensional sort of vector space and if you break it down and look at these these 27 possibilities there's a surprisingly frustrating uh in-your-face conclusion and that is that within uh, the great filters rubik's cube only one-third of all of these event types only one-third of them is something that we can actually know about. Okay. Before you really let that get to you in a frustrating angstish sort of way, understand that these are not weighted, all right? And that some of these elements they need to be investigated more thoroughly and they need to be assigned a weight, uh, a probability. Right. Of how much more likely this type is than, than the other types. Uh, And uh, a good explain, or I guess a good example would be the fact that, um, right. Each, each vector at the end of each vector, there was an an, an anomalous event, uh, something that, that we either can't comprehend, right, or uh, have not yet discovered, which is very unlikely. Probabilistically, it is something, these are possible elements that are quite unlikely to, if, if exist at all, actually play a role. And so even though one third, one third of, right, the, this, this array of 27 possibilities, that would be 12, 3, 6, 9, 12. Even though we would only be able to know about one, one third of them, the fact of the matter is that that the anomalous, um, the events that are anomalous and or include some, some portion of of one of the vectors anomalous elements is extremely low so i guess take it with a grain of salt and or a spoonful of sugar (laughs) i don't know but the fact of the matter is logically we will only be able to know about one third of these now even more frustrating is that only one third of the ones that we will know about is going to be in a realm in the realm of something we will be able to do something about or will have a field in, or will be within our field of influence. So what I'm trying to sort of point out here is that we should probably be really diligent and really careful with how we approach the survival of our species. And my whole point here is, I, I, you can go ahead and write this all down and write, draw out your own chart and, and kind of look at this and analyze this, which I recommend, it's interesting to do, it, and it's I, it, there's a lot of information in just a simple chart like this. Um, and if you want to, you know, go to the extra mile of, of assigning each category and, and each element a weight or a potential, go for it. I would be interested actually to see, um, what you got and how you figured that out. But what I'm trying to say, what I'm really trying to drive home here is that we are squabbling about the stupidest possible shit you could be squabbling about. We're worried about fashion choices and we're, you know, we're bickering over who won the election and we're being little whiny babies when the very vicious reality is that we need to be worried about survival. We need to be worried about our neighbors and our countrymen, and our fellow earthlings, right? We need to be worried about humanity. We need to get out of our little cyclical rut of the ego that is just driving us nowhere. It's frustrating to watch this because there are so many more things we could be putting our energy into. Not just just that we could be Using our energy for wiser, more productive purposes, but that, but that by doing so, by reorienting our motivations and our focuses and, and becoming more, you know, caring of one another and more concerned about the well being of humanity, we become happier people. We become people that feel more fulfilled and more, more enlightened and more emotionally stable and man i really don't know how to end this one (laughs) but i hope that's a hefty enough plate for you to stop and just kind of think about that um it's just I don't know. We we're just going down the wrong track just so fast and so blind and not thinking about the consequences. There is no reason that we should be more worried about debt collections than about the future of humanity. There's no reason we should be worried more about who won the election then what is our next step? How are we going to ensure that humanity survives whatever reality throws at us, right? We need to be more concerned about our survival than who the fuck was on American Idol last night. We are running stupid circles. We are doing lemming tricks, yeah so fucking gross and frustrating anyway i guess that's about it for now a lot of this stuff we can go into in far more detail and depth in later episodes but for now i'm at my 30 minute mark so i'm going to cap it thank you for listening we'll see you guys next time in the interest of research transparency the great filter is a phobos tech production All proceeds will go to funding the STEM Theory Research Project and other PhobosTech research endeavors. You can show your support by liking, subscribing, or supporting us with a small monthly donation.